It's life on life's terms. What's up, everybody? We are back. Sorry for the little hiatus we took there. Yeah. Um, it was life on life's terms, basically. It was life on life's terms. I'm Tom Robinson, a grateful recovering addict. And like I always say, we are not affiliated with any 12-step program. And that basically means that they are not responsible for anything that happens here. Right. You know? Uh, I'm Chris Mandeville. I'm a man in long-term recovery. Uh, we're here at a New Way Recovery Center in Quincy, Mass., on Quincy Ave. Ain't that a man? Um, they are very gracious <laughs> to let us come here and uh, provide you with this podcast. Um, they've been doing so for over two years. Uh, yeah, we're going on three, kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? November will be three? Uh, we, we launched in December, beginning of December, but we had been recording already for a couple of months. So. Holy shit. Yeah. Time man. flies. Time to get a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, 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 a, it is. yes. Time to monetize this some bitch. Um, so, um, yeah, like where you can find our audio podcast at uh, lolterms.com yep, um, or on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Play, any 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 podcast platform. Um, okay. We are available on, and they they're great. The sound quality is really good. Tom takes. Uh, some time and does what he can with the audio. Yeah, we put it through a, a filter, kind of equals out the levels and stuff, so you're not going to get any problems listening to it in headphones and all that good shit. Yep, and um, yeah, like you said, there's there's no one responsible for what we say here. Um, these are our opinions, uh, and you know that it is what it is. It is um, what it is. But that being said. There, there is a way to do this stuff, and there's a way not to do this stuff. So, yep. and for but me, you need to find was, that out for yourself. Yeah, twelve um, step was integral in my recovery. Yes, absolutely, it definitely helped me. You know. Um, so tonight we have uh, Marshall. Um, actually, met you through Pam. I, I got a, <laughs> I got a friend request, and I'm like, who is this guy? And I go on to mutuals. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, there's a lot of mutuals. But I don't think you had a picture, or I couldn't see your picture because we weren't friends. I don't. I, I don't ever put, um, you know, my picture on my my social media stuff. Like, yeah. I, just, I shift it up of like different themes and stuff. So, Marshall, so can you bring the mic close to. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, let me pull it up and. And is that better? Right. Yeah. And then uh, then I see a message request, and I click on it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that explained it. It was through Pam, who um, you had come here for a meeting or something. Yeah, yeah, I came here to meet Pam because uh, we're in the process of trying to get a recovery center on the North Shore, Massachusetts, up in like uh, Beverly, Salem, uh, Lynn area. Yeah, there's and, the down here. There's there's quite a few of them, but up there, there's not, huh? Nah, uh, on the North Shore, we have ton of, tons of treatment options, um, detoxes, um, IOPs, like outpatient type of places. Yeah, um, recovery coaches. Um, we have a lot of like. Uh, Community type based stuff in Lynn and Salem, uh, but we don't have like a recovery center, something like they have here that has like the, all the multiple pathways that bridges all the different, yeah. um, you know, uh, groups and meetings that they. And, have. and that's the thing, like any this this place is pretty pretty 
good. Like there's, if you're looking for a certain type of meeting, check this place out because they have yeah, tons and tons so many different meetings. Yeah, yeah. It's like all inclusive. No one's excluded. Right. You know, it doesn't matter how you got sober, where you got sober, what you're doing now. Like there's a lot of resources down here. They have veterans meetings. They have women's meetings. They have young people's meetings. You name it. And, and it's here, which, right. you know, which is a one stop shopping's thing. a lot easier. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like it's kind <laughs> it's kind of like an Amazon page for recovery. You know what I mean? You just well, click uh, on. Well, I'll tell you what you bring you bring people from different walks together, and you learn more. Yeah, know? absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's the way it goes every time. And and you know the same goes with um, out at uh, South Shore Pay Recovery Center. They have so many different types of meetings. Yeah, and yeah. you know uh, the recovery centers are back up and running you do have to social distance you do have to wear a mask we are social distance um we're not wearing masks we're because, very social yeah um it's kind of hard to talk to a microphone with a mask but um yeah i think we're you good. know these these places are open they they may be limited on how many people they can have in there you do have to you know practice the the anything that you have to do to go into a store or whatever um but you can still get to live meetings like I, I'm, I don't know about anybody else, but I've had enough of fucking Zoom. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it worked, yeah. and it, I'm really grateful for it. It was, I, I still, I do a refuge recovery meeting out of SSPR, and I still broadcast it on Zoom because some people are still they don't want to, you know, they see like, people or or, they or like be in public. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this more Zoom meeting starting all the time. Um, so. How did you end up in recovery? Yeah, let's, uh, let's well, hear, let's that, hear that, some that, of your story. That, it's like it, a man. loaded question. That's a yeah. big one. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks um, for coming and, and, and sharing, man. Yeah, so I appreciate, I appreciate you reaching out to me. And, you know, it, it you, you wouldn't think it would be, but it can be difficult to get guests. Oh, yeah. Every you know? week? Yeah, every Three week. Years? Yeah. Dude. We, we, have over 100, <laughs> we have over 100 audio podcasts that you can listen to. Yeah. So, like. Check out lolterms.com. We love it, though. Yeah, absolutely. I love if, it. I, I wish I had a guest every single week. Yeah, you me know? too. I, I've, like, gone through a lot of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So. A lot of iron workers. Well, I love it, too, guys. So I'm just glad to be here, and I'm glad you, you have me here today. Um, so my journey from uh, drug addiction, um, substance abuse, uh, into recovery, you know, that's uh, – that was a long journey, you know, I'm sure like as for all of us um, who've gone through these things. So I guess maybe I'll give like a little backstory. Yeah, yeah. You know, going to like my history. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot absolutely. Of, you know, they, they say a lot of this stuff's based in our childhood, you know, and like that's kind of where it started for me. And, and a lot of it is, you know, they're realizing now that it's based in traumas. Yes, trauma. Well, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. So like the traumas we experience, you know. Like a term I use a lot is like escapism. Um, yep. You know, and when I was young, like that was the thing. I didn't want to have to deal with the pain because it was like ever present, you know, family issues. Mm. Um, I think like the real issue began like my parents got divorced when I was young. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You That's know? drama. My dad left at seven. Yeah. So me too. Seven is yeah. exact. But, you know, even before that, like it was brutal, you know, because like the fights were just so intense mm. and we were just so young. I have my sister and I. We lived in a small house in a town called Hamilton, Massachusetts, which is a very wealthy town. It's an equestrian town, which means they got horses. Yeah. <laughs> How many of these towns? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I 
put a fence up out there one time. Where is that? Western Western Mass? No, it's on the North Shore. It's a on North, North Shore. It's a North Shorey town. All right. Um, like near, Newburyport, up yeah, that way. Oh, yeah, okay. near like Gloucester and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And and not that for nothing, Gloucester is where a lot of this stuff started. You know, oh, with yeah, the recovery with high school. Oh yeah. Sixteen and recovering. Have you watched that? Yeah, so that's in Beverly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I actually just spoke with um, uh, the woman that 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 runs that. Uh, her name that's is Michelle, awesome. and she's just an amazing person, and she's doing so much for the community and the kids because that show was good. If you have children and you think that they're using or they have problems, check out Sixteen and Recovering. It's actually really good. Yeah, I, you know, I. I I watched one episode so far. I, I don't watch TV, um, and I abstain from music. Like those are two things I, I'm, I'm always have my eye on the prize. But I watched the first episode, and it really touched me. I was tearing up. Yeah, the, wow. it's it, it's definitely emotional. Yeah, well, we we all know what it's like to be a kid and 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 to be messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you grow up in this equestrian you know, town. Equestrian town. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we grew up there, right? And we, but we were poor. We lived in this. Uh, it was a Christian community. They called it, it's called Asbury Grove, and it was. Uh, it's like a. It's surrounded by swamps, right? Oh yeah, all around us. And um, so that was the thing I did when I was a kid. I used to hang out in the swamp. <laughs> That's my I, I I grew up partially in in Norwell. We had a lot of swamps in Norwell too. Yeah, so I was like a nature guy. Um, so before my parents divorced, there was fighting. Then they got divorced. And, you know, like that's where the depression came. It set in, right? And yeah, yeah. I began misbehaving in school, class clown, trying to get attention all the time. I see you that. Guys, you guys <laughs> my my first it? addiction was attention. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I still suffer from that one occasionally. Yep. Um, so I would act out in school, get in trouble. My mother was beside herself because she was working, trying to raise my sister and I. Um, and, you know, she came from a kind of a tough upbringing, you know, with her parents. So she was really rough with me. And uh, I didn't like that. And she, right. was, um, she, she was an alcoholic. You know? Like a thousand years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Viking. Yeah, yeah. This guy yeah, was yeah. massive. Um, and he worked and he was he did demolition for the city, you know, and. He would be like this guy would polish almost a thirty pack a night, and he was like a blackout drinker. Ugh. So, um, when I was like 12, 12 years old, I started drinking his beers, like because him and my mother would scurry upstairs, you know, towards the end of the night, and I'd sneak out of my room. I'd go through his wallet because he got cash, right? So he had this big fat wallet just full of like hundreds and fifties <laughs> and stuff, right? <laughs> so. I'd be pulling money out of his wallet. I'd be taking two or three of his beers, and I'd drink beers, like, in the middle of the night by myself. And it was the best feeling, man. Like, I felt good, you know? Oh, yeah. I can remember I can mm. remember uh, thieving um, vodka off my uncle, uh, you know, when nobody was there. You know what I mean? You sit there drinking by yourself and, like, this is great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You think, you're, you think it's so wonderful. It's like, that is not normal like you shouldn't be drinking by yourself sitting there but down you, by yourself we don't even realize that we're, we're just seeking some relief and it's giving mm-hmm. it to us yeah, yeah. You feel, we I have no feel idea that. that we're doing that right just like i'm not supposed to do this so let me do it and so i'm gonna do it we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens yeah. right you and know that's, that's the coddling like you know what i mean like the booze like that like like the beers that was like a coddling for me. Like it made me feel good. Like that was the hug. That was the attention. Yep. That was that right. was a good feeling, right? Because right? that's what I was looking for. That so, little bit of comfort. 
Yeah. That comfort, yeah. So I, I got into that. And, uh, you know, I, I really, it wasn't crazy. It was every now and again. And we do I do it with my friends. I had a crew of, like, other, like, kind of, like, um, broken home kids that I used to hang out with. And, you know, Hamilton doesn't have a lot of those, but there was a few of us. And we definitely grouped together, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, just, uh, <laughs> just for the whole identity thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, and we was poor. Yeah. You know, I wore the Payless shoes to school, you know, like, that, those were a big... That was a that, that was a, something to laugh at, you know. The first, oh yeah, the, the M- stripes, oh, yeah. MA one hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Some um, Velcro. And I was fat too, so like I was just losing on all fronts, you know. Yeah, and uh, and <laughs> kids yeah. are fucking brutal, and oh, they've only man. gotten worse with well, with social media. And as I remember, it was like you're always kind of curious, wondering if there's something really wrong with you. Like you're wondering, you're like. Is there something wrong with me? Am I not as good as these other people? You know what I mean? That's kind of yeah. like the default question, you know, like, am I all right? You know, and, and, and you're always worried that you can't. But then when you get fucked up, it's like, who cares? It's right. like a relief from and, that, and you know? And like you're mentioning that that was for us a long time ago. Yeah. Right? But for kids now, that's all they think about. That's right. all they think about with with the way that oh, you know social, social media. media. Yeah. Have you watched yeah. the Social Dilemma? No, no. I remember seeing it on it's on one of Dude. those streaming platforms. I forget which one. It is pretty fucked up. Oh, like yeah. we are lab rats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wanna, do yourself a favor. Like you'll probably delete all your shit. If I didn't have to do this, I'd probably delete my account. Yeah. Serious, because it's it's fucking bad. They. They are using all the same things that we use to get fucked up, like oh, dope, yeah. hitting the dopamine centers. Oh, yeah. Like they, systems. they yeah. are an AI has like completely taken it over. Like they think that they're controlling it, but they're not. Wow! It, yeah, it's, it, yep. yeah, it adjusts everything. Like how long you look at a picture. Like seriously, just. Take a look at this Gotta at this flick. Yeah, this is not the first time someone's mentioned this. This, this has been mentioned multiple times. It, so. It's like it can well, be good, but the 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 biggest kicker for me was all the people that developed this don't let their fucking kids use it. Well, yeah, I'm sure, oh really? That's they, what they said you all the people that <laughs> wow. they these are people that work for these companies and are, are no longer working for them. Wow, and. They're they're fighting to get regulations put in place so that they're not doing what they're doing to us. But they wow. there's no my kids do not have social media. They don't have it. Well, here here's the thing that um, that 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 occurs to me and it bothers me is you know going back to your story like okay so you're a kid you go through trauma now now put in social media it's like you're just seeing the best of somebody else's life. See so you like thinking yeah. My life really does suck. I yeah. really am fucked up, you yeah. know. Uh, which is, which most likely isn't true, you know. So right. It's like you know, yeah, you, as a kid, you don't know any better. Like when that's we, right. People that people like you know, I'm sure with us, we start these addictions early. We did yeah. it when we didn't really have a chance to make a real conscious decision on whether we should do these things or not. That's right. We didn't know any better. We didn't really exactly. understand. So acting off instinct. Same thing with the social media. Kids don't know any better. They're just reacting off instinct to what's right. in front of them, right? Yeah. So so anyway, uh, stealing the guy's beers. Yeah, sorry, okay. <laughs> we right, hijacked so, it. So, so hijacked. 
so so here I am, right? I'm like yeah. 12 years old, and like the big life changer for me was I got introduced to marijuana, right, to my friends. Okay, yep. And uh, I smoked some weed with my buddies, and the first time I smoked it, I got sick as a dog. I was like, this is awful. Really? Yeah, I didn't like well, it. Because it was, it was powerful stuff, probably. I don't know. It just it made me feel sick. Yeah, wow. But then someone convinced me to smoke it again, and I smoked it again. And uh, I felt like a million bucks. I felt amazing. I felt right. good. I was laughing. I was having fun. I felt giggly and I felt bubbly. I was like, just, you know, I felt amazing. And uh, that became my thing, man. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I told myself, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke weed and I'm going to have a good time. And I was like. This is it. I've arrived. I've arrived. Yeah, I was yeah. like 12 or 13 at the time. And like me and my mother were having real issues. Like she, she knew I was up to no good. But I was going to lie about it because I'm not going to tell her nothing because I don't trust her. Right. I don't trust school figures, authority figures. I don't. Anybody that I feel like is going to try to stop me from having a good time is my enemy. Yep. Right. And, uh, you know, we bumped heads. She kicked me out. I went. I was living with my father. He uh, he had married a woman. She had two older sons. They were like four and five years older than me. So I moved to another town. I was living with my father, my stepmother, my stepbrothers. I was just doing the same same shit, man. Uh, just running around with the kids in the neighborhood, getting high, um, drinking, and uh, oh, that yeah, was it's that, everywhere. Yeah, that was my <laughs> that was my life. And like, and around that time, I started hustling. I, I I realized that if I had to provide myself with drugs, I gotta make money, right? Yeah, yeah. I gotta be able to to bring in an income so I can buy weed. And plus, I wanted friends. I'm fat and I'm insecure, and you know, I was kind of like a soft, quiet kid. So. I figured the best way to make friends was to have something that people want, which would be weed. So yeah. I was selling weed. And, um, right. you know, those were tough years for me. Um, between those years, I was at my stepmother kicked me out of the house. I was living with my buddy and his mother. She took care of me. My father and stepmother got uh, divorced. My father got an apartment. Um, my father, he has a bipolar illness, so he has, like, mental breakdowns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, he really wanted me to move in with him. He was all by himself. And I said, all right. I move in with my dad in this town, Danvers, Massachusetts, on the North Shore. Yep. And uh, my dad's a sweetheart. I love him. But the thing with my father is my father's not a disciplinarian. So, oh, <laughs> so you're taking yeah, advantage of that. So I yeah. took advantage. You know, like, I moved in with him. And... Uh, he told me, I remember the words. He's like, son, he's like, uh, I'm going to raise you like my father raised me, and I'm gonna, I'm going to let you learn your own lessons, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, nice. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah I, um, I just started hustling, like, a lot. I got, I got introduced to, like, LSD, and I'd been dabbling with it at that point. I was, like, 15. But um, I met these kids that were torn with fish, and they started shipping uh, LSD to me in the mail. From like Colorado, mm. nice. So yeah, yeah. I was getting all dosed up like every day, tripping, tripping out, running around, selling acid to all the kids in town. Uh, we started going to the raves. The rave scene was was hip at the time. Oh and, yeah, and we were partying, doing that because you could be like what 15, 16 years old. You get no bracelet. You go right into these clubs, you know. Yeah, right. So now you're hanging out with people that are in their twenties, you know. Yeah, just you're not you're not getting alcohol. Not getting alcohol, but if, oh, you know what I mean? Okay. When, you, when you got a pocket full of ecstasy. Everything and, else and is about alcohol. Yeah. 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 All you so want is water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I was doing that. And I, during that time, I threw my education away. I didn't really do good in school. I ended up dropping out my senior year, genius that I was. 
my father convinced me to get my GED. I went and got it. And, um, you know, that was what it was. It was just me, like, battling these addictions. But I didn't really get into hard drugs at that age. Um, That came later. Now, when I was 20 years old, I kind of, I had reached a a point in my life where I needed direction. So I got sick of sitting on my couch selling weed every day. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that would suck. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like (laughs) You look at yourself. I'm like, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm a young guy. What am I doing with my life? Right. I can so, make more money than nowhere. something other than weed. Yeah. Uh. But um, my my first thinking was I had worked on a fishing boat out of Gloucester when I was like 16. I made 150 bucks a day. I was like, that was a good job. I love the ocean. Mm-hmm. I went down to Gloucester, and uh, if you could imagine, like I went around asking for jobs, and nobody wanted to hire me. I'm just a kid, right? And I come across this boat. It was like 100 years old. You know what I mean? It looked like. Something that somebody just pulled out of, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I asked for a job. The guy gave me a job, so. Now, did you tell him you wanted 150 a day? Well, I didn't I just said, listen, I want a job on a boat. I want to be a fisherman. That's me, you know Mm. what I mean? Like, that's, that's, you know what I mean? I'm just a a simplistic type of thinker. You're looking looking for another identity again. I'm looking for an identity. I'm looking to be a somebody. I was going to be, you were going to, that's what I'm going to do. You just said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to smoke weed. That's what I'm, that's me now. That's me. And so then then you're like, all right, I'm sick of this weed. I'm going to be a fisherman. That's me now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's what we do. It's so common though. And people don't even realize it. You're, You're searching for a belonging. You're searching for somewhere to be someone to say i'm this i'm okay because i'm this we're looking exactly. for a community you know I mean? a community, community. yeah somewhere that's, we belong. Right. that's yeah. primal like yep. that's, yeah that's something that we can't that's been programmed into us for thousands and thousands of years yeah. right we got this Try. brain we got this body i want to do something with it yep. yeah, that's yeah. that's like caveman brain shit yeah 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 and i'm not ashamed to admit it that i'm probably a caveman brain you know, yeah, all yeah. we all we all so have easy a caveman could do it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I did. I worked on this boat, you know, and it was a little rough, but we made some money. I had some fun, and I got into that lifestyle. I had, I met this girl; she was amazing. We fell in love, like we we're gonna get married. But um, I was 20 years old. I was out on a fishing trip, and I get a call. Right, the coast guard calls and talks to one of the guys on the boat. Someone in my family had passed away. So we're out, and I'm thinking it's my grandfather. I'm like, hey, I told the guys, we, they want to make money. It's close, you know, it's in the winter. It's close to Christmas, I think, if I remember correctly. But um, I said, let's just keep fishing. You know what I mean? I don't want you guys to go home empty-handed. Fish another couple days. I ended up getting, like, an ammonia. It was awful. I had to go to the hospital. But when we come in, my girlfriend came to pick me up. And I asked her, I'm like, who in my family died? And she says, I don't want to tell you. And I said, uh. I said, well, you're going to have to, I'm going to find out. You got to tell me. You have to tell me who it is. And she said, your, your little sister died. Oh, I yeah. didn't expect that. Yeah. And, it, and I was crushed. Damn. Wow. Like, that was like that. Me and my sister were tight. You know what I mean? We went through hell together. And my whole life, in my mind, I had visualized having a whole life with her. And yeah. now she was gone. Um, I was just destroyed. Um, she had a boyfriend in Florida. She'd go down there. They'd been fighting. She went down there. They were fighting. He gave her a whole bunch of pills. And he's pretty much told her, he said, here, he, they were fighting. He said, eat these pills. He's like, why don't you kill yourself? And she did. And she ended up ODing and dying. Oh, wow. my God. So, did they ever pr- prosecute the, the guy? 
it's just one of those things you can't really prosecute people, right? Because yeah. people make a choice to put pills in their mouth. Right. You know? And she went to a bar right. that night and was drinking, and then, you know, mm. she was underage, and she walked. She went home, went, went into a coma, and she passed away. She OD'd. Oh, wow. sorry. That sucks, yeah. man. How old? She was, um, I was 20. She was, she was 18 at the time. Huh. Yeah, so. it's two years between me and my sister, too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so it was a tough one for me. And that's the that's the dichotomy, man. We 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 grow up and like we're supposed to be adults at 18, but people are still babies at 18 mentally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're not making great choices, man. And 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 you have all the choices. You have all the choices, but you don't have the wherewithal, the wisdom to to make the choices. Mhm. Just that's sad. I'm sorry to hear that, brother. Yeah, so that was tough, but you know, instead of making the right choice, and this is on me at that time, um, I felt bad for myself, and I started partying, hanging out with old friends, trying, oh, yeah. trying to feel good, trying to get through the depression and the pain. Yep, you, and I was you drinking. use it as yeah. fuel. I was smoking weed every day. Uh, I was hanging out with bad friends, going to the bars. So this is where my life changed. I got introduced to cocaine at this time. Now, it really wasn't a drug that I enjoyed using because I started going to the bars, and I tried it. It wasn't my thing, but everyone else was really into it. People started asking me if I could get it. And I had some connections that could get that stuff, some my mm -hmm. connects. So I started buying it and selling it. And then I, I kind of fell in love with selling the drug because it's small. It's e easy to conceal. People want to pay a lot of money for it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, that's what I started hustling coke. That's what I started doing. And around the same time, I got introduced to pharmaceutical opiates. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't got no, I don't got no cash, but I got these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There and then you, you go. start bartering, and it's like, all right, you want this? I'll take that. One of my, one, of, yeah, one of the strongest relationships. Like one of my best friends, he's a friend to this day. That's how our relationship developed. We used, to, I trade him coke for uh, Vicodins, to mm -hmm. the the blueberries, the ten milligrams. You know, because yep. he liked that, and I like what he had. So, you know, and that's what I did. You know, I just kept hustling and I kept fishing. My me and my girlfriend broke up, and I was just running, man. It was like literally, I was on like a six year bender from like the age of twenty to twenty six. Got into the OCs. Eventually, I was sniffing heroin, um, and I was just fighting to feel good, you know. Yes, fighting not to get sick. Eventually, yeah. And, uh, oh, I'd do yeah. anything, and like I had these grandiose kind of like dreams of I'm going to be this big drug dealer. I'm going to make millions of dollars. I started up like uh, I had, you know. I tried to get my hands in everything. I had a little business I was running. I had trucks and I had like a dump truck and I had a, a box truck. And I'll tell you guys a funny story. I was high. I was high in Boston one day doing a moving job with my box truck. And I went under one of the tunnels. It's not like high enough for certain trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Shear the roof right off. Oh, yeah. I peeled that thing back like a freaking like a sardine can. Nice. <laughs> I thought only the college kids did that. No, nah, no. Nah, I, I did it. And Stay then, off Storo Drive. Yeah, it was bad. Um <laughs> And uh, I actually was able to get the truck out of there and drove it home, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> roof flopping all the way home. One time I was high. I was in Boston doing a moving job, and I, um, I was trying to park the, the truck, and I crushed this little Geo Metro, and the lady was there. And, like, we're doing a moving job, and I tell my buddy, I was like, listen, we got to do this moving job real quick and get out of here. And the lady's like, aren't you going to put a note on that car? So then I just scribbled some stuff on a piece of paper and put it there, and I freaking out. I don't think I've ever moved that fast in my life. Right. <laughs> oh, so I was a mess. You know what I mean? Like I was very irresponsible and I was out of it. Um, yeah. When I was, tw when I was 26, um, 
like I, I was at that point spending like two thousand dollars a week just to maintain my opiate habit you know so i had to hustle as hard as i could i got into like moving a lot of drugs um me and a friend of mine we were i made a connection through one of my fishing buddies out west and this kid was sending the drugs in cars and uh, the car carriers and uh it was coke but um this kid had all kinds of connections for like the west coast drugs like the meth and the black tar heroin and stuff oh yeah so i brought one of my buddies in on the deal and uh when I was away fishing, I had my friend was taking care of business. So when I came back, I was on a long trip. I was up in Maine. When I came back, I got a Mexican kid in my house. I got a, uh, the kid that I dealt with. I got a pound of uh, crystal meth, and I got 125 grams of black tar heroin. I hadn't. It wasn't my. It wasn't my order. You know, it was my friend's. And uh, my Mexican connections, like, listen, your buddy pretty much told me to go fuck myself. He doesn't want to pay the price for these for these drugs that I told him he had to pay to begin with in the agreement. And being me, the guy that I am, I said, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix all this. And then I talked to my other partner who I've been working with, and, and I told her, I said, listen, I, you were supposed to be – you were supposed to be watching the ship, you know, and, like, this is yeah. not good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, so I set her out there to try to fix it and try to get rid of all this stuff and – she had been dealing with a, a, a confidential informant, somebody that talks to the police and gives them information. So huh. they, they had already reported us, and um, we had an investigation on us. So eventually we got busted. I remember the day she she was in the house. She was selling the drugs, and um, she called me. I was at my buddy's house. She said to come to the house. So I came to the house. I pull up. I get out of my car, and... Next thing you know, I got, like, nine federal and drug task force agents surrounding me, guns drawn, telling me to get on the ground, screaming my name. And, like, you just know in that moment, like, that's, like, a bad feeling, you know? Yeah. That's a bad feeling. I come from yeah. equestrian town. What am I doing on the ground? <laughs> I ride horses. I ride horses. Yeah. <laughs> I come from Hamilton. <laughs> How did I get here, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. man. So... I, I took a hard hit that day, and it was meth. It was heroin. Uh, I got federally indicted. Um, you know, I, ne I never, you know, and after that, I told all the people I'm dealing with, I just said, listen, it's all over. I'm in trouble. And, um, you know, I, I got, I had to go through the whole court system, you know, dealings. I, they let me out on bond. I fought for bond for five months, and, like, you know, I didn't have many options. It's 10-year minimum mandatory, so... Me being me, wow. making all my brilliant decisions like I used to back in those days. I decided to cut my bracelet off. I fled out to California. I was like on the run, hiding out. Oh, nice. no. <laughs> yeah. Wicked, yeah. wicked smart. Yeah, it was a wicked smart. <laughs> that was a wicked smart, uh, you know, drugged up Boston guy move for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I ended up getting caught out there. I think somebody told on me out there and... You know, I was I was up to my old tricks out there too. I my buddy out there had a, a weed dispensary, so I was smoking weed and selling. I was going to sell weed for him, and then it's get, I was getting ready to get back into pills. I'd found a connect, so it's not like I learned any of my lesson or anything. You know, no. So yeah, they shipped me back. I ended up getting sentenced. I got you know sentenced by the feds. Gave me twelve and a half years for that one. Wow, my, fir my first prison sentence. Never wow. done time. I didn't did twenty days in Middleton prior to that. You know, and I did been in drug treatment in, you know, my younger years. So where'd you go for the feds? 
Well, the feds is like a big winding system of yeah, they, chaos. Yeah. You'll be here, and then they'll ship you here, and then they'll ship you here. <laughs> yeah. But but there's certain federal prisons like yeah. you know, Marion, Leavenworth, like those. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, it was like this like this pan's labyrinth of a system, right? You start in like pre-trial, so they literally they stick you in like a holding. They call them holding unit, holding facilities. Plymouth. Plymouth, for example, yeah, yeah. Oh, was awful. I was there for five months. But that was before I got bonded. Then I was in Wyatt for like, you know, 15, 16 months waiting to get sentenced. And like, I didn't go, I went outside like three times to go to court dates when I was there. They just keep you in there. You know what I mean? That's whole, yeah. th- those places are designed to get people to plea out. They want you to plead guilty. Plead guilty, take the sentence and keep it moving. They don't yeah. want you going to trial. Yeah. So. Huh. And that's what I did. I just pled guilty. Um, I, t- I got my sentence. I had a great lawyer. My lawyer was uh, Paige Kelly at the time. She's a actually a judge magistrate now. I found out she runs the drug program for the feds. She was awesome. She helped me out a lot. Um, if it wasn't for her, the prosecutor would have snuck in there and tried to get me 25 years. Whew. She tried to pull all, she tried to pull the okie doke on me. So yeah. Paige saved me from that. Um, you know, I, I love to sing her praises. She was a good influence. I remember. I'll tell you guys a story about her. I was in that meeting with her, a conference meeting about like what we were going to do. And then I was, you know, on my little soapbox crying about how, you know, oh, poor me. I was out there selling drugs to fishermen and, you know, I don't deserve all this time. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a drug addict, you know, and uh, she looked at me with the most serious look. And she's like, methamphetamine is like one of the worst drugs it destroys families. It keeps mothers from taking care of their children. It's a biohazard. Uh, people die in meth labs. They catch on fire and burn to death. And she's like, this stuff isn't even on the East Coast. She's like, you know, they are very upset with you, you know, and this is not a small matter. And I just had to sit there and I just had to I, I remember that was like like the first time where like, I was ashamed. Like, I sat in it. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, she was just like, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 They didn't catch you with fucking powdered sugar. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, so when I in the feds, I ended up doing, um, I was in Wyatt, like I said. Got sentenced. I went to Otisville Medium. That's where I started my time. It was uh, They sent me to a medium security prison. What's one step below a penitentiary? Penitentiaries are like gladiator schools. Not a lot of happy things happen there. Mm. You know, um, those yeah. guys are really aggressive. Those are the more violent. Mediums are more like middle of the road, you know. Guys can graduate from penitentiaries with, like, life sentences and stuff, and they kind of retire to the mediums. Um, it's usually guys with 10 years or more sentences, uh, a lot of drugs, um, bank robbers, stuff like that. Um, come to find out, ba- robbing banks is an addiction because I've met guys that just like continuously like on the life and really? plan rob banks. Yeah, it's fascinating, right? Wow. I, mean, I never would have thought. It's wild. It's, it's a rush. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm sure. I'd ask him. Yeah, I'd be like, so what are you in here for? You know, he's like, the guy's like 70 years old. I've been robbing banks, you know, and the guy's been, you know, caught like seven or eight times and I just they keep doing it. So that was fascinating to me. But that's a little, little interlude on that. But, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like I... When I was in jail, like, I kind of came to the conclusion I was, like, I was needed a change. Like, something, you know what I mean? Like, the, the drugs was a problem, mm-hmm. you know? And um, yeah, I started, took all the programs. I started reading. I have a very active mind. Um, I, like, I need stimulation, so I just read all the time. Yeah. I got into self-help. I got into, like, reading about philosophy and religion. Um, 
there was uh, my family was helping me with college courses. I was going to do mathematics of all things. I was, you know, what I mean, because I have a good mind for like, you know, numbers. math and numbers and engineering, like, uh, you know. And then I started thinking, uh, and I'm looking around. And I'm surrounded by people, and I was like, why not do the psychology, right? Because I'm like a great testing ground, and I got to ended up getting a psychology degree. Wow, um, in jail. Yeah, I got an associate's degree, and uh, there was a woman coming in there, and um, she was a professor for Queensborough Community College. Um, her name is Franca, Professor Franca Ferrari, and she was amazing. We used to talk a lot, and I told her I was trying to get a college education, and her and her husband sponsored me. And um, they cool. My family helped, but they helped pay for the majority of the degree. Wow! Wow! Yeah, it was amazing. Like you know, like that just really fell in place, and like so I did it, and I had so much time that I really read the books, and I was just really curious about like what like that was the question: What's wrong with me? Like why? Because even in prison, I'd use like I would drink the white lightning when they make it brewing shit. Yeah, the guys would make white lightning. They make it out of freaking you know old rotten fruits and hot balls. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> sugar packets if they yeah. can get them. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Bread, jelly. They'd squirt a whole thing of jelly in there. I got, I got pinched for making homebrew when I was in Bridgewater, and I didn't even know what the fuck homebrew was. <laughs> I had in my Footlocker, I had bread, real sugar. We found the stash of the cops' sugar and Kool Aid, or an orange or something. They were like, "You're making homebrew." I'm like, "What the what the fuck is homebrew?" What are you talking about? <laughs> so, like, I was a worker, and I was in the, what they call it, the bubble, I think. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, that's it. Into the you're, going bubble. A, you're going across the street to the Wild Wild West. Oh, okay. And then they sent me across, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is my first time ever locked up, 30-day bid. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what homebrew was. That's where I was locked up my first time was uh, the, the Wild Wild West uh, yeah. uh, uh, for the 30 days. But the difference was I was, whatever I was, 30 years old. But when I was 17, I had worked all throughout that area putting up the fences. With the razor wire and so shit. Every, nice. Yeah, with the razor wire. <laughs> so every window I'm looking out, fucking, oh, I remember doing that. Yeah. I remember being here and leaving the end of the day you know what i mean yeah and then <laughs> two short months later i'm at plymouth house correction fucking doing it all over again with yeah with fed guys state guys friggin ins mm. guys you know like plymouth don't care they'll take anybody yeah yeah they do yeah i was there yep yeah i was there in 2001 yeah yeah they, they had ins guys over in 2008 when i was there and um yeah those guys would just sit there you know forever and it could be the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, boom, 25 guys are getting taken out of their cells, and they're fucking putting them on a plane, yeah. deporting them. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They they would never, they wouldn't lead up to anything. Uh, I don't know when, when it's happening, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're I, gone. I can remember being in there with, uh, with guys who were there for the 30 days, but after the 30 days, they're getting lugged, you know, and they're just doing push-ups, and they're doing sit-ups, and they're eating every scrap of everything they can get a hold of. Yep. You know what I mean? They're getting ready. You know? mm. So so now you realize that you, you need a change. You get a, an associate's degree in psychology. So now what do you do? Um, well, like I, I start, I came, I got clean, right? I got clean in prison because um, I dabble here and there, you know, like I was. Now, was like, there any program, any treatment? 
I took I took a non residential program for like eight months. I go to meetings. They had meetings and stuff in prison. Mm-hmm. I go to groups. You know what I mean? Like they had victim impact groups and stuff like that that I go to. Yep. I ran the groups. I was like a mentor. I worked in education. I was like a tutor for three years in the medium. Like I did all the positive. Like any, I, I was a joiner. You know what I mean? Anything positive I could do, I yeah. just jump on board. Yep. So a lot of that was drug related, addiction related, family related, community related. Like I just. And, like, that was, like, my way of staying stimulated, but my way of learning of, like, what... Of, it was your way of doing the time and not letting the time do you. Exactly. You know? You right. Know? But you got to stay involved. Like, you sit in that cell, man. You're fucking... You're yeah. going to get angry. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get angry. Absolutely, yeah. You got to stay active. Like, that. that you got a program. That's what they say. Like, mm-hmm. you're in prison, you got to build, like, a program. Yep. So, you know, like like Don King said, I, I convinced myself, I was like, I'm going to use this time. And Don King said, he said, I didn't serve time, time served me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have that mentality. So that's what I was doing. But I did slip back into my old ways. I went to Danbury for, uh, they moved the girls out because they weren't really like maintaining the prison. It was getting run down. The kitchen was amazing. I'll tell you that because... They had everything there. Big bakery. The food was great. The kitchen was really nice. But the prison itself was in disarray. They brought the guys in. And I go there. I get a job over there. Um, and I ended up doing, like, a certain job in the maintenance over there. I was working a second shift. So I'd work from, like, 4 and up until the night. And we got hooked up with uh, – there was a really cool officer over there. And um, – you know, we started bringing stuff in. So we were able to get them to bring cigarettes in for us. And I started hustling cigarettes. Back on my hustle again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My yeah. hustle game, you know, me and a few other inmates, you know, like. So a carton of cigarettes on the pound was like 2000 bucks, right? Wow. Yeah, right? That's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's 200 bucks for a pack, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Paying 10 bucks of smoke. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that's what I was doing. And I had all, like, once again, my head, like, with all the grandiose ideas. I'm like, if I sell this, you know what I mean? We sell this many cartons of cigarettes over a year. I could stay here. I'll just keep pushing them to keep me here. And I'm like, I'll make all this money. And then I'll send them, have the money sent to my family. And, um, you know, I was really trying to hold the position. But, like, while we were doing that, like, we had a lot of popularity. So um, I started smoking K2. And I started smoking weed again. I wasn't drinking and I was smoking cigarettes. I quit cigarettes. I started smoking cigarettes again. And I thought like, I was like, I thought I was super smart. I was like, oh, this is great. You know what I mean? I'm getting, you know, you know, I'm getting high again. And, uh, but Run, some, running a criminal empire out of a federal prison. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it was not good. It was not good. Uh, but I thought it was great at the time, but something happened, something different. I got scared. Oh Yeah. I got paranoid. Um, I was because I was smoking weed. I thought I was going to get drug tested. I was going to get in trouble. Mm. And then, like one of the other kids that was was working on this with us, um, he said they were getting tobacco, like a big bundle of tobacco. Come to find out, uh, the guy that was bringing it in opened it up. It was a big bundle of K two, which is an illegal narcotic, coming into the prison. And you know, and I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm involved in this you know what i mean like it wasn't my i didn't order it i didn't you know what i mean i was it wasn't me but i was like if i get caught up in this then i could catch another indictment you know i got scared i didn't want nothing to do with it but i was afraid to be like hey guys i'm, I'm leaving because i didn't want to have any problems either right so at that point like that was when my life took like a new turn like internally i just like i felt like this kind of like the, 
this paralyzing fear, like the shame. And if my family found out and what am I going to do? I was like, this has got to stop. Like, it's like I, a moment of clarity. Yeah. 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 It was a moment of clarity, but it was like a, a moment of like, just like this sick feeling. It was awful. So, um, but it actually ended up working out. Um, I think the kid that was, you know, doing all the, uh, he, he was bringing in the other stuff. He somehow, he pushed us out. I ended up getting fired from that job. You know, like randomly. When I, he had this counselor. He was like the head of the union over there. And he pulled us, me and the other kid in his office, who I was good friends with to this day. And he's like, I got some bad news for you guys, you know. And we're like, well, what's going on? He goes, I'm not, you know, I can't say nothing. He's coming from the hires ups, But uh, you guys, um, you guys are fired. <laughs> you know? yeah. Which was uh, the best thing that could have happened, right? Yeah, and it was a relief. And yeah. we were like, well, why do we get fired? You know, but inside I was like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thank God, you know, and uh, after that, I was just, I've been, that's seven years ago. I've been sober ever since. Beautiful, man. Yeah, I've been clean and sober ever since. And um, I made that decision. I was like, I'm done with this, you know, because I care about my family. I care about myself and I'm going to work on this. And that's what I did. So from there on in prison, I went to a camp. Like I ended up leaving there. I went to a prison camp at Devons in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, there's no fence there. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's like there's a lot of older financial guys there. You know what I mean? It's kind of oh, like yeah. it's like my retirement home for prison. And I just. <laughs> so run. what What did you end up serving the 12? I served 11 years on the 12 and a half. Yeah. So wow. how long, how long were you, have you been out? I've been out um, one year and three months, like 15 months. I've been on the wow. streets. Wow. That's so. pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you got out, you were you were uh, institutionalized a little bit. You were paranoid. You didn't want to. Go. I I met a lot of people who did a long time. Yeah. And uh, they, they, we bring them next door from the rehab to the store, and they'd be like, "I don't like this. I got to go back." You know? Did you experience that at all? I was nervous, right? But when I got home, my I'd convinced myself in my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna do well. Like, I'm gonna live a good life. I'm in recovery. Like I got out, I knew who I was. I was in recovery. So, so you were you were doing recovery stuff in jail, in prison. Yeah, I used to go to the meetings. I was you know I was part of this wicked great group uh, in in the 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 minimum security prison called Outreach. It was run by a social worker, and um, her name was Miss Coons, and she was amazing. And she would take us to high schools and colleges, and we would tell our story. It wasn't like right. scared straight. It was like. We really focused on decision-making, our lives and our stories and what caused us to get in trouble. And everybody was involved, like people, like financial guys that were stealing money on Wall Street, the drug guys. Like she pr- yeah. she brought in like like the like eclectic group of guys yeah, right? yeah. From, from all backgrounds. That yeah. must have been a great experience. Oh, and I loved it, man. I've been, I yeah. went to Wellesley. I went to Clark. I went to a lot of like the high schools in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spoke to the students. You know, and nice. it was really, it was really good. And, and, um, so is that program still going on today? Yeah. It's still going yeah, on. Yeah, that yeah. Prison. yeah. It's a great program. She cool. was amazing. And, um, yeah, so I did stuff like that. Like I just continued doing that stuff when I was locked up. Uh, so that's, that's good. I mean, that, that I'm sure that helped you <clears throat> when you were faced with, okay, it's time to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. When they said, today's your last day, you'll be out of here tomorrow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, preparation is huge. Like when you're locked up like that, like the only thing you really think about all the time 
is what am I going to do when I get out? How am I going to prepare myself for success? Who am I going to be? The identity thing. Yeah, exactly. Changing that narrative. So like that was a big part of my narrative was like recovery. I will say, you know, I did break rules occasionally here and there. We'd smuggle in some Chinese food or, you know what I mean? Maybe like some clothing or stuff like that, you know, like some underwears or something. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do sometimes, you know what I mean? So I, I will say this, before I got out, like maybe a year before I got out, I, I worked uh, off-site um, on the Army base, and I, you know, I had access to um, a cell phone. So I was looking around, trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do? I was looking at recovery groups. I looked at Refuge Recovery, Dharma Recovery, mm-hmm. AANA. Um, I was learning about, um, you know, some of the, like, the newer groups, like the yoga-based groups for recovery. Yep. And, like, because I'm an active person. Like, I want to see, like, what's out there? What, what's the landscape like? Like, what am I going to do? And, um, you know, when I got out, I was, like, excited. I'm like, here I am. I'm in recovery. There's going to be so many activities. I'm going to have so much fun. I'm going to meet all these people. I'm going to build, like, a new kind of, like, groups of people for myself. And... uh I did. I, I, I uh, ref, uh, refuge recovery. I went to a bunch of those meetings. Those were good. I went to Namaste sober meetings and became friends with them, and they were great. I went to Brooklyn Boulders and was climbing and got into rock climbing. Um, I'm a member of the Phoenix. I got involved. with Oh, them. the gym. Yep, the with gym. Lee. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Lee Soares. Yeah. Good I dude. Got, yeah. uh, I got one of his cards and a sticker he gave me. Yeah. <laughs> I never he got does some there, pretty but... <laughs> He does some pretty awesome graffiti, too. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I love that stuff. He does. Um, yeah, we had a, a woman on here, <clears throat> Susan Lordy. She runs uh, 24-Hour Power, and they go around. She has a Winnebago, and they go just go around and, like, do graffiti wherever. Yeah. You know, like. And, and it's all sober people. It gives people something to do. Yeah, but graffiti then, where people want it. Yeah. Really? That's, <laughs> yeah. you got you to hook me up with that because I love and, that. And, it's and, awesome. I mean, things have changed since friggin' COVID, like fucking everything else in life. Um, but hopefully once all the – but she still had she still had events. Um, we There was a, an event every once a month at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings in Brockton. They, pro- <laughs> yeah. they provided all the food. Oh. And, like, you just go there and you'd either paint canvases or, or whatever. Wow. It was it was awesome. That's but amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and cool. she's, she's always looking for people to help and plug in and, and do stuff, you know what I mean? Because she's – you know, she does it all on her own as well. Yeah. Um, but – I mean, obviously, you, you, you set yourself up for success while, yeah. you, while you were in there. Yeah, I, I, I learned. And, and I, all, yeah. you, you were breaking the rules, but it was, it was, it was to better yourself. Yeah, you for know. a good reason. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the, but the, the idea is that you had a, a purpose. I mean, a, you t- determination. You can't have determination without any kind of purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to have a purpose. And you, you, just, you made a decision. Which gave you a purpose, right? And then you got your determination. So that that's that's a good that's a good and combination. You've right you've there. also started some some groups on Facebook, right? Um. So yeah. So like that leads into this to, like, to bring other people together. I um I had trouble finding like a lot of stuff to do, like enough stuff for me and like enough connections. So mm-hmm. I moved back on the North Shore, and it was in my head. And I wanted to do um, recovery for a career. Like, I've been thinking about it. It falls in line with a psych degree. And, like, mm-hmm. my whole psych degree really fell in line with, like, one, because I love people and want to understand people, but understand my problems, my addictions, and be able to help people with their problems and their addictions. So 
I started a career in recovery. I work at a uh, Danvers Detox right now overnights, which I yep. love my job. I'm going to be there tonight working, helping the guys, you know, nice. giving them support, you know, because they're going through, like, the beginning stages, you know. Like, yeah, like you're on the front lines, you know yep. what I mean? Like, there's, there's, you're not going to forget where you came from when you see it every yep. day. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? Yep, so you know. And I realized, I was like, there's not enough out here for people well, my area on the North Shore, I was like, there needs to be more. There needs to be more connection. Mm-hmm. So I started this group called North Shore Boston Sober on Facebook. Um, and I made it just localized, just for people, you know, within like Boston, North Shore area to offer. And like, I encourage people to post treatment um, options like the detoxes, CSS, TSS, um, that have uh, post activities, events. Zoom meetings, people post meetings, NA, uh, AA, um, and it's just a, and I and I post events like I do all <clears> like uh, this um, Saturday. I'm doing a polar dip. Oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I got big into like I, I'm afraid of cold water, so I was like, you know what? Let me confront my fear, and I jumped in the ocean one day when it, you know not too long ago. I think I seen the post. Yeah, you you want <laughs> you want to learn some stuff, dude. The Wim Do you Hoff. know about Wim, Wim Hof? Everyone keeps yeah. telling me about this Wim Hof guy. I'm telling you, man. He's the he's ice man. pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. The ice man. This dude yeah. climbed Everest in a pair of shoes, I boots, him, yeah. and shorts. Right. He, <laughs> yeah. he didn't summit it, but he almost made it. But I mean, and come on. Like he, just just check it out. We won't. We won't. All right. Let's not go into it. Yeah, because yeah, we got to wrap it up. This guy. So, yeah. yeah I, I, and one of the big things we've been working on as a group of us, as a core group, and there's everyone's involved, it's a community venture. Um, is I just put it in the comments actually. Yeah, so recovery center. I threw it in there. A recovery center on the North Shore because we have all kinds of resources, but they're not bridged. They're not um, available within like a central hub where people can just come and look. You right, gotta, right. You have to, you have to d- dig and search, and we want to make everything available and run our own programming within the community and help people, especially like a lot of families out there. Because there's like a lot of like elite, like wealthy, upper class people. Doesn't it blow your fucking mind that it's 2020 and people don't know what to do if their kid has a drug problem? Yeah, it's like, like that's, I hear it all. The and time. and they could have they could have millions of dollars, and it's like I don't know what to do. Exactly. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter like where you come from. You that's why you know we're out at SSPR and like people will just stroll in and be like, "Wow, what is this place?" Yeah. You know, it, it's some people just still don't know. Yeah. Whether they choose that or whether it's just their their lifestyle, how they how they were brought up, like what they choose to, to see and what they cho- don't see, you know, but to have a place like that where it doesn't matter how you got sober or, or what you need. Recovery starts in the community. You can find yeah. it there. Yeah, that's the point. Recovery and starts in the community. You need people that have been there, like people that are suffering from, they call them substance use disorders now. Yes, yes. They, yeah. It's hard for them to relate to people that haven't been down that road. So people like us, we offer the best advice because we know. And exactly. It, and, and we've, you know, we're in recovery. So we learned how to, mm-hmm. you know, work with our, our, our disease, you know, the things... Like for me, you know, if if I were to go out and start drinking tonight, like that's just going to spiral out of control. I can't do that. Right. And I understand that, but I live a happy, functional, happy life. I love my life, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Right. And I've there seen people that's that I the, met. That's the key. Right and I've there. seen people that I've met in recovery, you know, hang around here for a number of years, and then go back and 
live somewhat normal lives. Mm. They drink, they smoke weed, and they're okay. Yep. For me, I know my truth. I know that that's not me. Yeah. You know? Right. Whether, you know, they're, they're okay with what's going on, that's fine. But for myself... I don't even want to test those waters. And everyone's yeah. recovery looks different. And yeah, right. absolutely. You, you got to meet people where they're at. And exactly, you got to meet people where they're at. I was I was very close minded, like early in recovery, and and for a few years after, it's like, no, it's got to be this way. You got to do it this way, you know. <laughs> but when, that's what you needed. That's what you yeah. got. You needed what you what, what you. What but you it, were. it was it was and also it a, it was also a lot of here. Take my advice. I'm not using it. You know, like. I'm telling everybody what to do, but I'm not practicing it myself. Yeah, you know. So now it's like, I don't care what it is. If it if it helps and it's going to make me feel better, let's fucking do it. Yeah, you know. Yes. Whether it's yoga, meditation, fucking going in cold water, I don't care. It's all right. got to be there. And yeah, it's, it's got to be available. Like that's the thing. I want it to be easily accessible and readily available for everybody. I want an event every single night. I want. I don't want someone in recovery to sit home and be like, "This sucks," because that's. I went through that stage yeah. coming into recovery, yeah. new on the street. I was like, man, I'm lonely. I went back, started hanging out with some of my old friends and watched them get all drunk in front of me and like act like buffoons. And I was like, I can't do this. This is not yeah. my life anymore. And, right. And it's, and it's not, it's not, it's not a good idea. It's been, it's, it's different. I'm telling you, like 10 years ago, there was fucking something going on all the time. Mm. Like I, I was, I helped start young people's groups. Um, we we had a group on Walston Beach that we started. Like, there was always something going on, but I don't know. Like when there was like a shift, and, and like people weren't really doing the whole fellowship thing, mm. you know. And, and like single people and people without kids and all that shit, like need shit to do. Yeah, we need it. You know, right. you yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. It, it also needs to be there for those other people when they do have the time. Yeah, you know, but it. Well, I think it ha- you have to have an example of a good life that people are leading. That's 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 not just dull and always right. You know, you right. gotta have um, you gotta have fun too. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's I attraction, examples. not promotion. People want to see it. Yes, yeah, <coughs> I had right. examples of of people who were fun in yeah. in early recovery. They were having a blast. And yeah, they absolutely. Dragged me along with it because I was miserable. But when I was with them, it was like, okay, you know, I can laugh. I can have a good time. We can do stuff like. Bring everybody back from the meeting and have a, a, a Texas Holden tournaments. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 and yeah. drink a million Red Bulls and have a blast and laugh. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's yelling and and, you and know like I mean? you can only go out to eat so much. Right. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. That's what a lot of people. Oh, let's go grab food after. Yeah, that's fine. But like, what else are we gonna do? Yep. So that's yeah. what we're doing. You know, and um, very good. I'm trained to be a recovery coach, and like one of the things I notice, like a lot of people, because people have been talking to me, people through the group, because they, they they'll contact me. They'll be, I'm in a problem. Yeah. So they talk to their their child, their child, or whoever has a substance use disorder, and that communication with them is always like, "You have a problem. What are we? There's something wrong." And I try to tell them, I'm like, "Well, you know, you're making them feel bad. You know, so." As a person in recovery, as a person that's you know training to to, to work with people that um, suffer with uh, substance use disorders, my communication is always like I understand. You know, like what can we do? How can how can I help? Like what yeah. do you want to do? Yeah, you know, exactly. It's never you know it's never there's something fundamentally wrong with you. You got a problem. You need to do this. Or it's always about the individual and what they can do. For themselves to live a happy lifestyle and you know and and and, and be like a, a 
a part of the people's lives that you know that you know their family members or the people that are around them you know if right. they want to do that but sometimes they just they don't know how so that's what we do we give them the tools we help them help themselves you know? meet them where they're at like cool. we said earlier yeah. um and you know i i tagged it in here north shore boston sober is the group um that you started for you know people to to get in touch with each other um you know definitely what you're doing i think is awesome yeah um excellent you know we've we've done we do a lot of events we'll bring this podcast to wherever to live events right. yeah awesome yeah that'd be we, great we yeah. did you guys are welcome, we we sure. did the um the sobriety rocks concert last year yeah. in situate um yeah, we did uh, like we we've a couple been of revelations to, recovery thing yeah we've done uh awards banquets yeah. we've gone to we had friggin' timothy cruz and uh joseph um mcdonough yeah like you know, the sheriff and the and the attorney, the district attorney. Okay. Like on the podcast. Yeah. On the podcast, wow. we're at a fucking Buffalo Wild Wings. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And right. then and then we go to Social Peer Recovery Center and we watch fucking the Pats with them. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, hanging yeah. out watching the Patriots game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I was in. That's where I got sober. It was Plymouth House Correction. Okay. That's where I found Alcoholics Anonymous. Nice. You know what I mean? Like. I so like your journey. I know, like yeah. it was my my duration in jail wasn't as long as yours, but it's the path is very, yeah. You know, the parallels. If you've done one day, you know. That's yeah. All. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, good stuff. Anyway. And, yes, uh, and I appreciate you reaching out to us. Yeah, thanks a um, lot for coming on. You know, I, we we're right about there. We're just over an hour, so that's usually how what we do. Yeah. Um And like I say all the time, anyone that you know, wants to be on here and share their story, please reach out to us, inbox us, um, throw something in the comments. Yeah. Always looking for a guest. We need guests. Is there anything else that you want to plug before? When's your little polo thing? Oh, that's, uh, my polo dip is on Saturday at 1030 at the, um, the halfway point house on Nahant beach. It's a bathhouse, a halfway bathhouse on the hot beach. We're going to meet there at 10.30 a.m. on Saturday if anybody wants to jump in freezing cold water. In the right. <laughs> Good times. All right. Awesome. All right. I appreciate you coming right. on, Thanks, Marshall. Marshall. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be back on next week. We'll be back on next week. All right. Peace. Peace. I live in this world full of anger and